are the voyages of the starship Therapize. Its continuing mission, to explore strange inner worlds, to seek out new insights and new realizations, to boldly go where no one has gone before. time, my Vulcan friend. Hello, sir. This program on the Hulu network, it is a program about a murder, but the characters are also making a podcast. Ooh, very Inception. I suppose so, sir. But it makes me wonder where real life ends and the fictional begins. Are we, too, characters on a show who also host a podcast? Hmm... Sounds like you've got yourself an old-timey existential crisis. I don't think I like it. One never does, old friend. One never does. <laughs> How about we start the show and see if we can't get you sorted? Yes, I suppose so. I would like the feeling of being sorted. <laughs> Who wouldn't? <laughs> Hi, friends at home. We're back for season four. I am Justine Maston, LMFT, Yogini, writer, and captain of this particular ship. Welcome aboard. And I'm Larissa Garski, LMFT, writer, researcher, Spockian first officer. And I don't know why I paused there. Maybe it's because I'm freaking out. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm freaking out. Uh, just a reminder to listeners at home that just because we are therapists does not mean that we are your therapists, unless, of course, we are your therapists. This podcast is for the purposes of education and humor and is not intended to replace seeing your own therapist. Oh, it just occurred to me that the mm -hmm. that this little blurb about us being therapists, but not your therapist, unless we are your therapist, would make some great stickers. Maybe I'll make those. Those would make nice stickers. Wouldn't those make nice stickers? Yeah. It would. I'm, I'm making a note. to me is that I this feels like the longest vacation or shore leave I feel like we've had since we started the podcast I have no idea if that's actually true in I terms think of true okay yeah, I think that's true mm -hmm. and I mean it makes sense because this has been like a real it's been a, a real you know challenging five years and two years oh, oh right because it's like how how a dog's life is seven years for every person year. It's yes. like pandemic years are 10 years for every pre-pandemic year. year. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. So thus, like, every month was a couple of years that we had off. So, like, when we, I was trying to get ready this morning, I was like, oh, my God, where's my microphone? Where's my plug-in? How do I record? I've forgotten where I hit record. <laughs> and... uh it, the the great irony is typically that's me, right? I I yes. am the Gen X of our duo. 
Um, but I, I have started recording a secondary podcast. That's true. Um, dark side of the mat about the hmm? the darker aspects of the yoga world. And I recorded that yesterday. Right. So You're like all a my shit was already machine. set up. <laughs> yes. Like you were ready. You were set. I probably pushed us back at least 30 minutes today because I was just like, I'm not in the groove. I am very much unsorted. <laughs> not that dissimilar from uh, Steve Martin and Martin Short's characters uh-huh. on uh, Only Murderers in the Building. I felt very mm-hmm. Bravos today. Is that yeah. Bravos? Brazos? Brazos. I just Brazos. wanted to be Bravos, but it's not. Yeah, the Bravos is the Bravosi art of water dancing. Uh, that's <laughs> that's some Anya Stark stuff. Uh it's funny because Brazos is is the name of a place in Texas. Oh. And uh, every time I hear it, I'm like, Brazos, Texas? Is that my partner did a project there a uh, hundred oh, years ago. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So mm-hmm. yeah, you have something very concrete to kind of connect it to. Connect it to. Yeah. But whereas, I'm like, why is he named after a, a town in Texas? Whereas I'm like, why can't he just pronounce Bravosian water dancing? It's so odd the way he can't say his last name right. <laughs> Why can't he say it? Yeah. Um, yeah. So friends at home, in case uh, you missed all of our subtle hints, mm. our our theme for this day is the delightful program, Only Murders in the Building, that is currently on the Hulu network. It has not concluded, so we will be talking in this episode about the first seven mm-hmm. eps. And there are three mm. eps left to go, so we will we will be sure to circle back once we've hit the conclusion. But yes. it just it felt so autumnal, yes, and you know cozy, mm-hmm. like Selena Gomez's long teddy bear trench coat. Oh, it's so fuzzy, so fuzzy. I just like, I just, I, it looks so lovely. Let me just say that right out of the gate. Mm-hmm. As well as cozy. But whenever I see her like walking down the streets of New York mm-hmm. in that coat, I just imagine all of, all of the smells that would <laughs> the particulates. be. Particulates. And the particulates <laughs> and, and like the gunk. Uh-huh. And then I have to like remind my very practical Spock parts to like maybe like sit down because, you know. We don't need to worry about how Selena Gomez is keeping her coat clean. <laughs> I get it, though. I Because it doesn't look quite cool enough there for the size of that jacket. No. And I'm like, do you just run cold, Selena? Maybe. I do wonder, and I know nothing about what their shooting schedule was like. I wonder if maybe mm-hmm. they shot some of it like in actual summer in New York. Sure. Because though it has a very autumnal setting, there are definitely like outdoor scenes where I'm like you. I'm like, really? That seems seems like you should be in a t-shirt. Right. Because and like, some, I've, some thin pants. <laughs> I've experienced autumn yes. in New York. Uh-huh. And it's it's got a certain bluster. Yes. Yes. That, that I feel we don't get the sense of that bluster. Like there's not enough wind and flying mm-hmm. leaves. That's true. And like flying wisps of hair. <laughs> and detritus. <laughs> just, just all of the dirt from everyone crammed together. Yes. 
Yes. To be clear, <laughs> friends at home, I do love cities, but like, I you don't live think in I could, one. I live in one. Right. But I don't think I could live in New York. I think it's like, it's a level oh. beyond Chicago. I could not live there at the, my current socioeconomic status. I think like the yeah. only way to like comfortably live in New York City is mm-hmm. to make such vast sums of money that you've got to be doing just like awful things to large groups of humans because that's the only way you get that amount of money. Yeah, I the way I feel about it is, you know, I, I grew up in Pennsylvania, so mm-hmm. I, it was my dream um, as a younger person to live in New York. Yeah, as it as it is for most uh, young folks who come up in Central East Pennsylvania. Coast. Right. And I think if I had done it when I was a young person, mm-hmm. it, I, I would have really enjoyed it. I think that's true um, for you. Yes. You know, I think mm-hmm. I think I would have. Re- well, and if I was a lot less anxious. Um, yes. If I was young and I wasn't a young person dealing with acute anxiety. <laughs> Right. In which case, I imagine, like, if real life you had been able to do that, mm-hmm. you might have just been using other coping strategies. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I think it probably would have been um, a lot of day drinking yeah. in, in New York. Well, I mean, I probably would have been working in a restaurant, so that would have been normative. Sure would have. Uh, life, yeah, life just would have been different. Would I have made it to auditions or would I would, would have would I have been too nervous? Hard to know. The Hard point of this story was, <laughs> I, w- I think I would have enjoyed being in New York as a younger person. Now, as a person in my 40s, I am accustomed to a certain um, standard of living that yes. includes my space being both rat and cockroach free. Sure, sure. And... I mean, yeah, space. Space is one where, like, I've always thought of myself as, like, being able to live in a variety of different sized places. I live in a city. Mm-hmm. I weathered most of the pandemic in a one-bedroom Chicago home that is not large. Mm-hmm. Um, and I weathered it with myself, another full-sized human, and three <laughs> other furry friends. <laughs> but again, the just like the size of the New York City apartment that I would be able to mm-hmm. afford having like been in one. That was the, like we did that, oh, probably like t- almost 10 years ago. We did mm-hmm. an Airbnb there because Brian was like, let's see what it would be like if we lived in New York City. And we walked into the Airbnb and I was like, oh, okay. So immediately no, immediately no to living here. <laughs> yeah. Well, right. And I mean, it, it is, they're, they're very narrow, they're very small and narrow mm-hmm. and, mm-hmm. and exclusively walk-ups. Yes. I, Again, my unless ex- you have like bags of money. Right. Yeah. My experience of, um, I mean, in the last... I don't know, t- uh, 10-ish years, the the times I've been in New York have been for New York Comic Con. Yeah. And I've, sometimes I've stayed in hotels, but other times I've Airbnb'd. And when I've done the Airbnb, I'm just like carrying luggage up. Oh, you and I stayed in the cutest it was. Airbnb in Chelsea. Mm-hmm. But it it's was adorable. like a five-story walk-up. 
And, and that was we both that was had before severe asthma. <laughs> and that was before you and I started lifting weights. Like I feel like one day when we're doing New York Comic Con again, sadly, friends, that is not this year. Um, but one day when we do it again, I feel like we now have the guns, if you will, to <laughs> schlep our our accoutrement up mm-hmm. a five story walk up. <laughs> Back then, I have very distinct memories of you and I walking up a couple flights pausing each of us using our rescue inhalers (laughs) and then looking at each other and psyching ourselves up for another couple of flights yeah oh my god and (laughs) the great irony you know i'm bummed we we decided not to go this year because it just it seemed like it wasn't going to be as safe as as we would want but this year Mm -hmm. i like booked us way in advance this really nice hotel (laughs) it was really beautiful (laughs) <laughs> where we would at the end of the day be able to get on an elevator <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. which is so <laughs> and it useful. was like under a mile from the convention yeah. center uh one day one day the, one these day. are these are the griefs we we mourn mm-hmm. um but back to back to new york and only murders in the building <laughs> <laughs> Which, true story, I'm only realizing literally right now at this very moment that it is not only murderers. No. But it's only it, murders in the building. Uh, did you did you miss that that section of the show when they, like, named it? It was like a titular moment. They did, and I remember it, but then I also remember in my brain being like, huh, it's so strange the way Steve Martin is not, is like mispronouncing his line. And because I was like, surely it's called only murderers in the building. Mm. And I have a part that like likes that title so much that it just had been like insisting that that was the name of the show until now when like, as you've been talking, I've been like inviting that part to step forward internally. And I've been like, hey, we do need to let go because that's not the title of the show. It's it's not. It's not the title of the show. It's not the title of the podcast they do on the show. It's true. Yeah, because uh, Oliver Putnam suggests, you know, there's another Martin murder Short, in yes. the park. Mm-hmm. And why don't we, you know, split our time and investigate this murder and that murder? And Steve Martin says, yeah, no, only murders in the building. Oh, sure. We're only sure, going to sure. investigate murders in the building. Okay. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes that makes sense. That makes sense. I'm and I'm, I'm going to I'm going to need to allow it. Because, again, that is the name of the show. (laughs) Why this happens for me in life, I don't know. But here it is. Mm -hmm. It's part of who I am. Uh, Friends at home, if you have not yet watched this, uh, we would definitely wreck it. It is uh, an absolute delight. But if you are not in a place to watch it right now and you just want to listen to us, here's the briefest of recaps. Mm -hmm. Um, Three strangers live in a giant, uh, Giant. fancy building. Well in... cleaned, very mm-hmm. spacious hallwayed apartment building. <laughs> <laughs> um, on the, I believe it's the Upper West Side, um, so. and uh, there is a murder in the building. Mm-hmm. Spoilers, and um, these three strangers come together over their love, their shared love of a murder, murder podcast, and they decide to investigate the murder in their building. Mm-hmm. And it's like a delightful sort of like odd couple mishmash mm-hmm. of Steve Martin, 
whose real whose name in the show is what? Is uh, Charles Hayden Savage. Okay, Charles Hayden Savage. Um, but the role that he's most famous for playing the character is most famous for playing a character named Brazos, who very <laughs> clearly is a riff on Columbo. Oh, see, I thought he was, um, like, his vibe doesn't feel Columbo-y to me. His vibe feels like if CSI Miami took place in the 80s and he's the... <laughs> okay, so... <laughs> I I both like agree and disagree. I feel like Uh the way that other people who know about this character Brazos Mm -hmm. react to it and the way they talk about it is the way that I see fans of Columbo talking Uh, about and and expressing love for Columbo and Peter Falk. But you are right that like when when they do cut scenes to the Brazos TV show, it does not feel very Columbo-y. It does feel more like I'm forgetting the two different lead actors of, like, CSI Las Vegas and CSI Miami. <laughs> I'm more thinking of when the, that main dude pulls his glasses off and he's like, looks like we've got ourselves glasses pull off. A murder. <laughs> yes. What And what is the catchphrase that he has? I totally can't think of what it is. Uh, for Brazos? Yeah. This takes the case in a whole new direction. Yes, which does feel like David Carradine. It's not David Carradine. <laughs> Although I would like to see the main guy from CSI Miami uh, yes. just wandering the earth. Sure. Like Kung okay. Fu. Wow. Okay. You're right. It's not David Carradine. It's David Caruso. Yes, that's yes. him. Yes, and I think you're right. I think, and I never appreciated this when I watched CSI Miami years and years Mm -hmm. ago, that really his glasses thing is but a riff off of Columbo, who came first, Mm -hmm. and Columbo's catchphrase of, and just one more thing. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Okay. I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you. I mean, Mm -hmm. I, I love when things come back to Columbo, and that's a beautiful, like, marriage between Mm -hmm. the end of our season three and the beginning of our season four that's true that's true because we ended with colombo and now we're beginning with different kinds of detectives and murders Mm -hmm. yep out like colombo in like a brazos (laughs) like out like a lion in like a lamb (sighs) the other way around (laughs) <laughs> I don't know, but I am curious as to like what this harkens for winter, you know? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Um, but what what are you enjoying about Only Murders in the Building? What I think I'm liking the most about it and what made me willing to watch it because initially i had like very low expectations for the show and i was like i'm not watching this i was very Um, surprised when you said that you were watching it because i hadn't even suggested that you watch it i know um you you had it surprised me not at all that you had started watching it but i sort of got like roped into it because i was hanging i recently visited minnesota to see a good friend of mine that isn't you because i do have a few (laughs) friends that live in minnesota that i mean i was mad but... You were, but you, you, you know, you learned how to radically accept it. Um, so a good friend of mine that is not Justine recently had a baby. And so I went up to visit her and the baby. And 
as perhaps many of you listeners know, when you go to visit someone who just had a baby, you're not like going out and doing activities. Mm -hmm. You're staying in and being cozy and like, you know, trying to like keep keep the baby sort of like entertained and happy. And luckily, it was very easy to do that. This is like, easily one of the most delightful babies I've ever met in my life. Wow. I felt like this baby was like charming me rather than me trying to charm her. <laughs> so it was great. But at any rate, on one of the days when we were like in and hanging out, my friend was like, have you seen this show? And I was like, no. And she was like, I'm really enjoying it. We could put it on. And I was like, we could. And then our other friend came over and again was like, have you seen this show? It's mm-hmm. good. And at that point, I was like, okay. Let us just be open to new possibilities in life. (laughs) And we ordered pizza and the baby fell asleep and we started watching the show. And I was Mm -hmm. like really pleasantly surprised. And the thing that I liked about it and still like about it Mm -hmm. is that it's about friendship. It is Mm -hmm. not about romance too much at all. And it doesn't, it has like the, the, the autumnal spooky detective-y mm-hmm. parts of noir that I enjoy without mm-hmm. all of, like, the sexism. Right, without the tropiness. Without all the tropiness. And it's about, mm-hmm. like, this, like, mismatch of of humans who are working together and then become friends. And, of course, the mishmashed humans are Selena Gomez and Martin Short and Steve Martin, mm-hmm. whose names are Charles, Oliver, and Mabel. Yep, you got it. Yes. You got it. And I I put it here in our working document in the event that you forgot. You did. And I'm going to be honest and say that I only remembered Selena Gomez's character's Mabel's name. Because I was when they <laughs> said it, I was like, how delightful an old world, Mabel. <laughs> yeah, I feel like there's a story there that we will get later. Yeah, um, I hope so. Yeah. But I, I agree. I I love... The, you know, I'm I'm glad we aren't getting some of the negative tropes and we're getting some of my favorite positive tropes, like mm-hmm. characters who initially have nothing in common, who find that they have one very important thing in common. And, you know, as as someone who yes. is a believer in the power of fandom, mm-hmm. the, they come together because they are all fandom attached to this podcast. Yep. That um, is a is a faux podcast on the show hosted by uh, Tina Fey, known as Cinda Canning. And the podcast is All Is Not Okay in Oklahoma. And she does the perfect voice. Like she does the. Yes. The Sarah like Koenig N- serial voice. Serial mm-hmm. voice. And then I thought to myself. Yeah. yeah. No, she's doing a great and job. Then, right. Like Adnan Syed. Um <laughs> no but you're right and i loved that scene where because they all there's obviously a murder in the building and so then Mm -hmm. they all have to leave and so then all the residents of the arconia is that is that the name of their apartment arconia the arconia Mm -hmm. wow fascinating i I like can't get any of the names exactly right in this show (laughs) who knows what that's about um so and they all gather at this Mm mm-hmm sort of like lounge club bar and they're like desperate each of them to listen to their latest the latest drop of the podcast that they're all into and that's how they meet mm-hmm. and then they gather around together and they listen to it and you're right it absolutely is the power of fandom connections that we talk mm-hmm. about all the time that are just it felt very authentically portrayed 
Yeah, I loved it. Mm-hmm. And just for for timeline for folks who haven't seen the show, the fire alarm goes off right yes. when they're about to find out this key piece of information on all is not okay in Oklahoma. And they have to leave the building at that time. And mm-hmm. when they return is when they find out there was a murder. So oh, they have sure. they have just bonded over their fandom attachment to Cinda Canning. Mm-hmm. And now they return to a murder. And like so many fans do, they're like, we just discovered that we have a shared language. And now we have been offered an opportunity to engage with our fandom attachment, which in this oh, case directly. is being detectives. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm realizing, I think part of the reason I can't really remember, I'm like remembering but slightly off, mm-hmm. is because due to the fact that I watched the first four episodes while with other humans plus a baby, mm-hmm. my I'm, I wasn't really giving it my full attention. I couldn't really. Mm-hmm. And so like my brain is just doing what my brain does, which is like fill in gaps. It's not unique to my brain. All brains do. But mm-hmm. one of the things that my brain absolutely does if I'm not focusing is that like, my brain will mess up words like there's no or like names of things like there's no tomorrow. Uh huh. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So the and, and to to be fair, I mm-hmm. rewatched the first three episodes this morning while you were getting ready. <laughs> that was a good use of your time. Look at that. <laughs> and it it was actually it was very fun to rewatch the first three episodes because now that I'm up to. Uh, episode seven mm-hmm. they do great job leaving us easter eggs oh yeah so when you go back and watch it you're like oh you can hear the bassoonist playing through like you can hear the bassoon playing through the window oh. and you know oh there's tie-dye guy and there's <laughs> there's little stuff that you'll notice when you go back through so i would i would highly recommend you know you could wait till it's all done and go back through. sure because I'm sure mm-hmm. there'll be even more Easter eggs for us to find. But I enjoy that. I enjoy when something is thoughtfully put together so that you can go back and go, oh, the, you can hear the bassoon. <laughs> yes, I feel like it's it's one of those sort of like puzzle box shows, but a yes. not overly complex puzzle box. Like when I think of puzzle box shows, I usually think of like, Things that the Nolan brothers plus Lisa Joy make. And I enjoy Mm -hmm. those, right? But those Mm -hmm. are like such complicated puzzle boxes and they usually like are missing a few puzzles, puzzle pieces. I just like J.J. Abrams and Lost. Oh. Like just, there there were just pieces missing. Well, what I think is different between like J.J. Abrams and what the Nolans do, and I appreciate that J.J.'s mm-hmm. finally like come out and named this, is that like he is like that one character from Bob's Burgers when they do the episode about the the elephant and is it Tesla, I think, um, where it's the librarian who's like, I start things but never finish them. J.J. Mm. Abrams has like finally come out and been like, hey, guys, I'm really good at like kicking off a story. I don't know how to end it. <laughs> So, like, he never really has some sort of, like, completed vision, whereas, like, it feels like the creative team behind this show, Only Murders in the Mm -hmm. Building, do very much have a sense of, like, here's where we are, here's where we want to end up, how do we make it a fun journey? Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. It, it feels like a TV show, like board game. And then like the Nolans are like, they know where they're both where they're starting and where they're ending. And then they're like, let's make it really complicated and just leave some things out. So then viewers have to draw their own. <laughs> it's like a maze with just yes. a big empty spot in the middle. <laughs> exactly. Or like empty spots along the side. There's like two to four of them. And then it's like, look, like, you know, we'll give, we'll give them like rope and we'll see what they do. Can they still get to the center? <laughs> Whereas this show is very much, there's no empty spaces. They're not giving you mm-hmm. rope. Like if you follow along and are paying mostly decent attention, you will be able to mm-hmm. make it to the, of the yeah. labyrinthian maze. Which I like. I, and mm-hmm. you know, the, there's psychology behind this, right? We, we like feeling like we've seen something other people haven't seen, or like we, we like to feel like experts. Sure. That's why we love Easter eggs so much. We're like, oh, I noticed this thing that maybe somebody else didn't notice and, you know, f- fires all of our novelty uh, neurons in the brain. Mm-hmm. They go, ooh, something new. Um, like taking a walk <laughs> outside. Ooh, a bird. Uh, <laughs> like, ooh, the bassoon. <laughs> sure. which And it also then appeals to our desire to make meaning and make patterns. Mm-hmm. Including when there's maybe not like a pattern or a meaning to be made, but in a story because it's created, mm-hmm. there is a pattern and it's fun to see if we can't figure out what the pattern is before it's given to us. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I get asked more often than I used to, like why we love true crime. Mm. And that's one of the things. Why do we, do you think? Because I don't love yeah. true crime. This is something that's like very much not in my wheelhouse. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, uh, we, we are natural detectives, human beings. We love to solve. We love to figure things out. Mm. And we do that from the time we're babies. So we want to know, like, how, how does this circle toy fit in this square hole? It doesn't. Which one does? We're like solving mysteries. Mm. Yeah. From, from the beginning of our time. Um, and, you know, we, we solve mysteries throughout history, (laughs) rhymes, um, (laughs) with, you know, some stuff that's sometimes serves us, sometimes doesn't, but it's always a story. Like the mystery of how do the crops grow? Mm. The answer is a goddess or the weather cycle. Right. (laughs) (laughs) but we're we're fascinated by mystery we want to solve Mm. and that that feels very ingrained to me and so i i want to also solve Mm. and we we love to be experts we love to feel smarter than other people do you feel like it's about being smarter than other people do you feel that it's about like that old phrase, joy and competency, that when we can, when we can do something and do it fairly mm-hmm. well, that that feels pleasing to us. Yeah, I think that's more fair than what I said. <laughs> I, well, and the reason that I said it was, I'm thinking more like when we're watching true crime on a show, we sure. get to be like, what an idiot who leaves the glove at the scene of the crime, you know? We're- okay, Yeah. <laughs> I trust you on this. These are things that like it, it doesn't it doesn't do it for me. 
literally last night watching Dateline. Yeah, I believe you. I know. You love a good Dateline. <laughs> there was some... Oh, the the murderer had disassembled his truck, but kept the parts of the truck that had the blood spatter on them. Mm. It's like, if you're going to disassemble the truck, why not keep the parts that don't have blood spatter? Why are we keeping the parts with blood spatter? That doesn't make any sense to me. And Unless it's a trophy thing like they do on Hannibal. Uh, I, I think it, well, the answer was drugs, actually. Which sure. is a really dissatisfying answer. Yeah, no, not as fun. Yeah, but, you know, it's... I get the I get the joy of feeling smart and yeah, competent. I I like the way that you said it because I do. I get joy from competence and I am not going to commit a crime. I want to be real clear about that. <laughs> <laughs> and also, I know a lot about yeah. the mistakes people make when they commit crime. Sure. Sure. And so I can draw a straight line. I'm like and the, the cops didn't go check out the farm where this guy was living. And I was right. like, why wouldn't that be your first stop? The spot where the guy is living. Why did we need a private eye to go in and find the car parts? Um, I, couldn't, I couldn't tell you. See, and this is, I think this is why, like, this may be the barrier for me in true crime. Mm -hmm. Is that because it's literally about someone losing their life. Mm -hmm. I can't, then it stops, it's interesting, does it stop feeling like a game? I don't know what it is, I'll have to ponder it more. But for whatever mm -hmm. reason, it doesn't feel fun, it just feels sad. I get that. And yeah. there, there is an element of sadness, for sure. And I, th I mean, mm. I think this is part of um, enjoying true crime, which sounds like gross to say. Well, but, but it's real. People love it. Right. And it, we are able to compartmentalize and mm. create distance between. Right. Like we're talking about we're almost talking about two different things. Do like, you think part of it is like there's like an internal. Is part of it like the so like the Jungian shadow. The mm -hmm. part of ourselves that we don't like to spend conscious time with because it's like the parts of us that society says are morally wrong. Mm -hmm. So in each of uh, like every human being has its shadow component. Yep. Perhaps for those who really love true crime, their shadow self is drawn somewhat to the gruesomeness. Sure. Like the intense confrontation between two living beings and only a one coming out the victor mm -hmm. but when it's when you're when you're trying to be present with that through like a mediated means a mediated entity like it's through the television or it's like through a story that someone else enacted then mm -hmm. then it doesn't it feels okay to like your conscious self because your conscious self is like well i didn't do that yeah I didn't commit and it, I but, you're, but you and you wouldn't. But your shadow self mm -hmm. is like, but what if we did? I don't know. I'd, I I agree. I agreed until that last bit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because I. Well, I'm of two minds on it. Beautiful. Because I, I definitely don't want to commit a crime. 
Are you sure? Maybe your shadow self does. (laughs) And also, I I mean, there there must be a piece of that when I say things like, what an idiot, who would leave the car parts, right? Mm Because that that implies a part of me saying I wouldn't leave the car parts there. No, what what would you do with them? (laughs) Well, I mean, first up, I wouldn't have committed the crime. But second up, um, let the record show that Justine is not a criminal. (laughs) I would just like listeners at home to recognize Mm -hmm. that I am not a criminal. Um. And at this point, they're like, she doth protest too much. <laughs> they're like, and her friend keeps insinuating all these things. Have have they committed a crime together? No, we really haven't. We're like very... Like extremely boring. We're very beige. Like we get together and we just like sit on sofas and like order vast amounts of takeout. And usually watch, actually now that I'm thinking about it, we watch like fantasy murder mysteries like Riverdale. Riverdale. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's so true. It is when it's like real life that like I must have parts that are like, and that is a bridge too close to reality. Mm -hmm. And now it doesn't feel fun. Now it feels sad and like we need to go take care of someone. Which is maybe a component of why episode seven, which I watched yesterday, I had like, it was mm-hmm. very, I thought it was very well done. I loved its use of silence. Oh, uh, I love specialty episodes like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really lovely, but like, it was, it, it like, it made it, it definitely made it like feel real in a way where I was like, oh, no, no, the game is also real. And of course, all games are real to a certain extent, but. It definitely woke up the part of me that was like, oh, sadness. Right. But now I'm sad. Right. Now I'm sad. What do I do now? And the answer for me was, I'm just going to keep lifting these weights because I watched it while I was... (laughs) While you were working out. Yes. (laughs) Our our coach would be so proud. He Uh, would. (laughs) He's he's a fan of true crime. Oh, I didn't Um, know that. Interesting. Yeah, we talk about cult stuff. Okay, I'll have to bring it up next time I'm chatting with him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he he likes uh, fake crime, too. He likes, uh, like, uh, horror movies. Yo, that is true. I do know he loves a good horror movie. That also, mm-hmm. gotta be careful with that. But then again, here I am, watching Hannibal and loving it. Right. Truly, I know, we contain multitudes as humans. It's wild. Because, like, Hannibal was too much for me. I know. And yet for me, I'm like, oh, such a shame that you can't watch Hannibal. I really want to talk about it on the podcast. <laughs> I mean, I'll, I'll keep working on it. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you you have you have stepped into my world. I can I can step into yours. Oh, uh, and that's friendship. <laughs> and I mean, it's got sexy Max Mikkel- Mickelson, Middleson. Yeah, Mickelson. Mads Mickelson. Mad about Mads. Oh, God. So such an attractive man. Yeah, and those the those, those leather photos. My God. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. Were we talking about something? <laughs> our producer's laughing <laughs> as our eyes like glaze over. <laughs> like, friends at home, you can't see us, but we both just sort of stared off into the middle distance for a moment. <laughs> 
the middle distance where Mads Mikkelsen's avatar lives. Better to live true to yourself for an instant than never know it. <laughs> uh, but um. back to the show. Um, I do really love the way there's like layers upon layers of story. Yeah. Because it very much feels like the creative team behind the show understood that it is through stories that we connect and that we build relationships. Mm-hmm. And each of the each of the main characters have their own sort of struggle with a story. Like Oliver's struggling with the fact that he's lost all of his wealth that he got from being like I think like a famous Broadway director and creator because he had a huge flop. Spoiler alert! Don't. It also seems like he was never all that great. He had ju- he just had a good he just had good salesmanship and would get big investors. But it seems like none of his properties were like successful. He's well, kind but... of a professional flopper. <clears throat> I didn't quite get that, though. It does make me want to rewatch it. It does sound like mm-hmm. he's had some like significant flops, like. Mm-hmm. You know, splash the musical and maybe this is maybe the difference here is like uh, the way you and i feel differently about musicals oh, which is so that real. i think all musicals are totally absurd and almost always in bad taste i know this is coming from a very judgy part i don't e- i don't even know like sometimes i can enter your world i can't even enter your world right now no and i'm really not inviting you to i'm just like trying to say that like i know that this is this is true for me about most musicals mm-hmm. again interesting exceptions though i love the musical hello dolly arguably one of the most ridiculous musicals out there guilty of everything that i think is wrong with musicals but i love it <laughs> Let me bring this full circle, though. So when, like, when they're doing flashbacks to Oliver and just, like, Martin Short in the most delightfully absurd wig ever, it's like he, like, raided the old wigs in Scarlett Johansson's home and just threw them on. <laughs> um, and, like, I believed that, like, okay, sure, he's done some flops, but he's had some winners. How else mm-hmm. could he afford this apartment for one? But, like, all, yeah, all of his shows sounded ridiculous to me. But, again, the part of me that feels how I feel about most musicals was, like, Man, all musicals are ridiculous. Sure, some people, they like this one, they don't like this other one. Oh. Is Splash really more ridiculous than a Legally Blonde musical? I don't think so. Wow. Um, I know. So, yes, I had a very different reaction, which was... (laughs) (laughs) Well, and I thought it was really telling in the scene, and I love that Nathan Lane portrays... the straight man. A hummus magnate. (laughs) He's just living off of dibs, Oliver, because he has no money. He can't pay his bills and he just eats dibs. He, he steals dip and he eats it. Um, oh, it's so sad, but hilarious. And so, you know, Nathan Lane, um, for folks at home who don't know, is a right. is a absolute, like, king of the stage. Musicals. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And then, you know, that's not just movie musicals, that he was on the actual stage, mm-hmm. famous for that. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's funny to see him, like, not really be a, in the industry. Like, he right. has hummus money that he invests <laughs> in the right. theater. And the scene that kind of spoke to me and, and made me feel like, okay, I don't know that Oliver was ever successful was when uh nathan lane's character uh who teddy 
Teddy Demas. Mm-hmm. Demas's... Deli chain owner. <laughs> oh, yep. Demas's raps. Absolutely. <laughs> um, is saying things to Oliver like, you talked me out of backing Hamilton. You talked me out of doing this. You talked, like, he named all these big name shows mm-hmm. saying, like, you didn't want to do that one. You didn't want me. You said it was a loser. Who wants to know about the of the founding fathers? And so I, it just, it felt to me like a wink and a nudge. Maybe it wasn't, but it felt like a wink and a nudge of like, yeah, I don't know that Oliver knows what he's doing. It also felt like a wink and a nudge to me, but I took it as a wink and a nudge to be like, aren't all musicals just absurd and who knows what's going to make it and who won't? <laughs> cats. Am I right? Cats. Ridiculous. I, will, I mean, you're right about cats. I appreciate that. Thank you. <laughs> At any rate, I think we can all agree that like none of these characters are... They're not, like, successful in a serious way. Like, Oliver was able to make it for a while, but there was always, like, an absurd element to his work. In the same way that, like, Brazos is an absurd detective. Like, he doesn't, Mm -hmm. he clearly doesn't even have the gravitas of actual Columbo. He's far more Mm -hmm. like the David Caruso than he is Columbo. (laughs) And you see the ways that, like... There's an insecurity for Steve Martin Charles's character about that. And and there's that insecurity for Oliver. And and for Mabel, Mm -hmm. her insecurity is that, like, her old fandom crew, her group of friends that lovingly Mm -hmm. called themselves the Hardy Boys, they disbanded due to another murder that Mm -hmm. happened, we learned, a number of years ago. And she's never been able to resolve that literal story of her life and so she feels stuck right and we don't even know much about her life outside of the hardy boys i mean we get like you're right we get little bits and pieces i want to say and like is it episode six where they meet her mom and her mom talks about (laughs) how like she was pissed yeah mom is like wake up from fantasy land friends it's time to be in reality Mm-hmm. Um, and mom talks about like her being like Mabel wanting to be a designer and going to New York to do that. And mm-hmm. um, I love right. that. I remember that. I, I loved that story that her mom told about how the, she couldn't like read Mabel bedtime stories. They weren't soothing to her because Mabel just mm-hmm. wanted to get to the end. She couldn't wait to get to the end. And isn't that ironic that now for her in her life, she has been denied the answer of the great end, which is like what actually happened to her and her Hardy Boys that fateful night on New Year's Eve. Mm-hmm. And uh, episodes, because I think it's episode five that we get the the talk with mom, and then episode six, we find out what happened to Zoe. Isn't that an episode seven? Because that's the silent app. Sorry, you, friend, <laughs> are right. <laughs> Let the record show. This is one of the few times. <laughs> this second day of October, year of our Lord, 2001. <laughs> oh, my God. Put a notch great. up on the board for Spock. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Spock 2. Kirk, <laughs> 80,700. <laughs> Uh, but yes, that's right. Episode seven, we find out what actually happened.
happened to mm. Zoe. Um, yeah. And I've, I'm not going to name that just in the event that, you know, you're listening, right. you're not caught up. Well, mm-hmm. I'm sure we'll talk about it when we, you know, yeah. circle back after all the apps are done. Mm-hmm. But now, well, actually, she doesn't know. We know. We the... We the viewer. Mm-hmm. We the viewer knows. She, she knows yeah. something... She learns some information right. about this this person who who committed the murder. Mm-hmm. But I, yeah, she doesn't know about the murder yet. No, no. And she jumps to a, a in many ways, like a reasonable conclusion. It's very much like an educated guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought without giving too much away, one of the things I really liked about episode seven and the way that it mm-hmm. concluded for now is it seemed to put forth this idea that it posed the question, what if all murders are fundamentally a mistake? Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, well, mm. so what's coming up for me is like, mm-hmm. yeah, of course it's a mistake. Like, yeah, y- you done fucked up. Some tough love from justine this morning <laughs> you know like whether it was an intentional murder or not yeah because this i mean in this case it it seems like it was i mean it was definitely not premeditated and it was mm-hmm. like really she, the even in the moment the intention was not push her off the roof um <laughs> but i was is say, that too spo- oh, is that too spoilery no i don't think so. so because that's heavily implied you're right please continue yeah um yes we we knew someone pushed her off the roof yes that's true fair (laughs) point fair point um but even if one intended to push someone off the roof like one Mm. could also say like all murder is a mistake because it like it messes up your life the murderer the the murderer in the building as well as everyone else in the system and like so often you know on in my true crime journeys it's and this was not the case here but so often it is someone in a relationship like a marriage Mm. that they want to get out of and because of their religious faith sure a divorce isn't possible right but a murder is right it is fascinating the things that we hold to Mm mm-hmm Right. We really we got our own morality. We do. And like, I'm going to put forward something that like might be a bit uncomfy. So, you know, listeners, take a pause if you're like, whoa, I don't need uncomfy things from Spock right now. That's OK. Mm-hmm. Hit pause. Come back in five. Um, I wonder if maybe that feels like more of a go to the murder piece of it, mm-hmm. because fundamentally to stay alive another being has to die. Ah, chapter 11 of our book deals with chapter this very 11. subject. Uh-huh, deals with the very <laughs> subject of, like, how do we stay, like, we stay alive by consuming other life. Mm-hmm. And as we track the evolution, the growing awareness of human consciousness, part of, it, I think, what we do see is our growing discomfort with that reality. And yet still the core of how we stay alive. And like, one, I do think one of the big questions for humanity as a species is like, oh, what do we do about that? Mm-hmm. How do we walk the dialectic of like, 
how uncomfortable and how fraught it is to take a life to stay a life. Whether that life is Bessie the cow or, I don't know, Curly the carrot. <laughs> or uh, Zoe the, the Siegfried <sighs> girl. Right, exactly. I don't actually think she was, but no, I was looking but... for a Z. It was a good. It was a good try. I'll accept Thanks. it. I'm not going to put it on the board. You're not going to get a point, but I will allow it. No, I, w- I wouldn't give me a point for that either. <laughs> um, so I I recognize that we've been chatting for a bit now. So I there's so much more I want to say, but I also recognize we're going to have another episode. We sure we will. Don't need to. We don't need to dive into absolutely everything. Mm-mm. Um. I. One thing I did want to talk about a little bit was um was building trust. Sure. Because I feel like we've spent some time talking about, although we didn't name it explicitly, that the characters are looking for identity, or they are Mm -hmm. trying to make sense of their identity, maybe, you know, find a lost identity. Sure. That once existed. Um, Mm -hmm. And so I see this theme of building trust in the system, which is, you know, their little podcast system and building trust with self. Sure. Um, And how do we do that? Yeah. (laughs) I think that maybe part of how the show is attempting to answer that is that for each of our three main players, Mm -hmm. they had an idea a fanfic way that they saw themselves, if you will. Right. Mm-hmm. Charles saw himself as this great actor. Oliver saw himself as this great writer, director, wunderkind. Mm-hmm. Mabel saw herself as a loyal friend. Mm-hmm. And the events of each of their respective lives have challenged this vision, this idea that they had of themselves. And they're mm-hmm. all at the start of the show, like kind of grappling with the, the, the fractured or broken way that they understood themselves. Well, it was, it was so small, mm-hmm. right? Like our identity is not just one thing. No. Which is something I talk to clients about all the time when they're thinking about doing something like change careers. Right. Like, but my identity is being a marketing executive mm-hmm. that's who i am like right. well, i mean that is a part of who you are and that is or, a thing that you do but you are also a you know a, a child of parents a partner of another human possibly a parent of other humans a friend mm-hmm. a member of society a you know a, a lover of jorts Right. Yes. And in a late stage Mm -hmm. capitalist American society where so much of our time and energy is spent doing work, Mm -hmm. a lot of our society and like in terms of like from a practical standpoint, probably are the people we see at work every day, probably are the humans we interact with there. Mm -hmm. How we see ourselves is has been like built up and impacted and shifted by how those folks at work see us. And for Oliver, Charles, and Mabel, you know, Mabel has been separated from her community that mm-hmm. would seem uh, like 
they, so they were kids growing up, like large, like they didn't necessarily have jobs, but like they, their purpose was we are friends and we are like friend detectives. And also we like break into people's homes and take their stuff, which, you know, more on that in the next step um, of our podcast, <laughs> perhaps the show, but definitely of our podcast. But then for Charles and Oliver, when they, when they lose, they lose their sense of identity in part because they have lost their role, their place at work. Mm-hmm. Right. So they have this brokenness, they have this insecurity, and mm-hmm. their reaction to the loss, all three of them, is to kind of go in and self-isolate. Yeah. And they struggle with, at the start of the show, how to build trust with other people in their external world. And it also seems like they're having a hard time trusting themselves. And you see how this like feeds on each other and builds on each other over time, because the less you trust your, your internal system the less you're going to trust the external world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it, as you were talking, I thought of a couple of other areas in which at least Oliver and Charles mm-hmm. have lost their sense of identity. Like yeah. Charles was a stepdad to the little girl, Lucy. Mm-hmm. And so he lost that identity too. And that relationship. So he, that relationship. And he and he keeps making the omelets oh. for Lucy and then throws mm. them away, which right. just was basically the saddest thing I have ever seen. At first it's, I was like, that is food waste. Why is he doing that? And I was mad at him. And then when I found out why, I was like, oh, God. Mm. No, I similar. I was like, why is he throwing the omelet away? I'm sure it's important. But like. <laughs> but I don't get it. It's a perfectly good omelet. Um, <laughs> he could give it to Oliver. Oliver's only eating dip. <laughs> I know. They hadn't met yet. Maybe. <laughs> but that that allowed for such a beautiful moment of of identity formation when I I think it was ep three, because I think it was the last ep I watched before we started mm-hmm. rolling, when when he makes a sunny side up egg for himself. I'm no longer making omelets for other people who are not here to have the omelet. Sure. I'm going to make the sunny side up egg for me. Mm-hmm. And, and so that, that came up for me with Charles and for Oliver, you know, we get that scene with him and his son where he's asking yeah. his son for money, which was very hard to watch. Um, and, you know, son says, I can't do this anymore, which Mm-hmm. That that makes a lot Accurate. of sense. Good boundaries, son. Um, yeah, and you know, son says you need to sell your apartment, and Oliver's like, "It's all I have. It's who I am." And this, and the son literally says, "It's very hurtful to hear that." I was like, "Again, son has done some work on himself." Mm-hmm. Um, but Oliver wants to be a Family Guy. Like he describes himself to Mabel as a director, but his grandchildren are his true joy. And he didn't even know when they were going to be home. I know. And I don't, I, I don't know yet how, I don't know what that means to Oliver. I don't know if, and I don't know if I'm mm-hmm. supposed to believe him when he says that. I do think, cause, and I'm going back to the flashback when he's wearing Scarlett Johansson's, one of her discarded Black Widow wigs, mm-hmm. um, when he's talking about how his work was very interconnected with him meeting his wife and building a family. And he saw them as Mm -hmm. 
very much intertwined and related. Sure. And so that would then suggest that part of what he's holding on to with the Arconia, the meaning making he has there is like, this was where I did so much, not only these important, these important experiences that created my identity there, this was also fundamental to me having these important human connections. That's not what his apartment means anymore, in fact. Mm -hmm. But he's holding on to this old, this old story mm -hmm. so tightly and so rigidly. And it is the holding on to this old story that no longer fits in the reality of his life that, in fact, is causing him so much pain. He doesn't really see that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and he takes such good care of his bulldog. Oh, yeah. I think her name's Winnie. Winnie, um, yes. And he's so mad because Charles keeps forgetting about who Winnie is. And he's like, you are my <laughs> friend. You should know this. <laughs> um, but, you know, he he's still a caregiver. He still has the ability it, it's almost like he's, you know, enacting. It, it's easier for some people to enact love with animals because the the animal can't tell you that they're disappointed in you because you lost all your money. I do wonder, though, <laughs> if and it seems like Winnie's old or we don't know, like, how long yeah. it's been since his wife left and things. Yeah, but just I, for, for friends at home, literally after I said that, Larissa's <laughs> cat let her know that he had a feeling and he wanted to get the fuck out of the room that he was in. And she mm -hmm. needed to open the door. And I sure took a pause and did that for him. So, you know, <laughs> creatures do communicate with us. You just like, you, sometimes you don't hear it because you're not listening, but that doesn't mean they're not speaking to you. In the same way that, like, your body's giving you all kinds of physical cues we mm -hmm. have in many ways lost the ability to listen and we can learn how to listen again. Mm -hmm. And it does feel like that's the journey that each of these three folks are on is simultaneously learning how to listen to like internal cues, internal parts to use IFS language, and mm -hmm. then simultaneously learning how to listen then to the others around them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the more you listen, the more you have the opportunity to build trust. Because if you're really listening, then you are then able to have a more authentic response to the person that you're listening to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, there's, and, and our little podcast trio is starting to do that with each other. Mm-hmm. Which I'm, I'm so excited to see how this turns out. And... I am loving that we are also getting episodes that are focused on some characters that in another story would be completely ancillary and we would never hear from, like yes. the cop. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We get yeah. a we get a whole ep with her backstory. I loved her when she showed up in the first ep and was just like, "You fucking podcast listeners, I can't stand you." She's like, "You're the worst. Get out." <laughs> and I was like, "What a great." What a great bit part she has. And then she shows up again and we get a mm -hmm. whole episode on her. And I was like, she's got a whole life, as do all small players in our lives. Yeah. I loved that. Yeah. And then Agreed. In the in the seventh app we we get uh from uh Nathan we we get an episode from Nathan Lane's son's perspective. What is his name? David. Uh, Theo. Theo. Wow, not David at all. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Theo. Um, we get an episode from his perspective, and because he mm -hmm. is deaf, the, the episode is mostly silent, which 
I just, I I loved it. It was beautiful. So well done. So yeah, it's, I, I agree. That that's the other thing I'm I'm loving with this show the the autumnal vibes and the. Uh, there's more artistry than I would have expected from right? it. Like even the opening credits, the way they have that like sort of like old timey cartoony rendering mm-hmm. when they're doing the show credits. I mean, it really. Again, there's this attention to detail that I'm I I'm not used to seeing in things that are that feel more marketed like big block blockbustery stuff. You know, mm-hmm. um, I don't feel like there's that attention to detail in a lot of like Marvel movies, frankly, for example. But mm-hmm. so I wasn't necessarily expecting that here because this felt like oh look they have like big name actors they're gonna go through the yeah. motions yada 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 I'm tired, but. <laughs> That's it. There is. There's some real. It feels like there's like real human love and attention and care and creativity. Oh, and I know how much that show. means to you with art. It's true. It does. And so I'm. I'm really definitely here for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mm-hmm. I. I'm just. I. I love a Rashomon like from everyone's perspective. Yes, that's true. You do. You love a good Rashomon. Yeah. So I'm. I'm digging that we're. We're getting all these different perspectives and. Because mm-hmm. that's the thing. A story is different from everyone's perspective. That's like the, yeah. the whole center of therapy. Right. <laughs> like you get a family in a therapy room mm-hmm. and you rush them on it. <laughs> right. What's the story from your perspective? What's the story from your perspective? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm, and I'm always like, so far it happens every time when I'm working with a younger clinician, like younger in mm-hmm. terms of their experience in the field. Right. So often one of the things they're worried about is like, what if I don't see everything accurately with this mm-hmm. new client? And I'm always kind of like, well, you're not gonna. You won't. When you won't. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? Of course, you're not gonna like see it all. Number one, what does like seeing it all accurately mean? Mm-hmm. You have biases, they have biases. You know, and like number two, like no, most clients don't come in and like purposefully try to lie to you. Mm-mm. But they have a very particular perspective. And is it going to be helpful to you, young, long, young therapist, young clinician, to like have an awareness of that? Yeah. But if you're getting like really caught up in like what is like the all-knowing, invalid truth or accuracy, like. Uh, that's that's beyond what right. we can do. Well, and you're going to be disappointed because that's right. That's not a thing. And sometimes clients do lie to us in yeah. that they they shift a part of the story or they leave a part of the story out. Mm-hmm. And what great information in the future? You know, I had a client just recently who, mm-hmm. you know, shifted a story a little bit to tell it to me and then later something happened in client's life and they were like actually that story wasn't quite the way that i told it to you before it was like this and i i didn't feel like i could tell you Mm -hmm. the the story in this way before and i'm like okay yeah what what kept you from telling me the story this way before Mm -hmm. and you know shame (laughs) um and yeah and what a great opportunity for you know, reassurance that it's it's okay. Mm-hmm. It's okay that you told the story differently before. It's okay that you're telling the story like this now. And it, it, what do we need to do around this shame? Right. Mm-hmm. How do we, and how do we make space 
for different versions of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah, because it seems like a part of you wished the first story was true. Mm-hmm. Well, shall we bring ourselves to sort yeah. of like a volume one close, since we're going to have volume two and all the apps are dropped? Yeah, this, um, and that just, I feel like we dropped such beautiful gems of wisdom there at the end. I agree. Well done, sir. Yeah, no, you too. You too. Give yourself another <laughs> check on the board. Yes. Three. Three checks. <laughs> Steve Holt. What, what a banner day you're having. <laughs> um, so if folks want to do a little bit more research on their own, uh, what's some of the stuff we talked about today? Um, such a great question. We talked, we did a lot of talk about parts from internal family systems. Mm-hmm. We talked about the capital S self, which is also from internal family systems. Mm-hmm. We talked about trust building. We talked about identity. Um, mm-hmm. We very much like talked around the phrase found family, talked around in the sense that we did talk about it. I just don't know if mm-hmm. we ever once used that term. Mm-hmm. Found family for listeners at home is exactly what it sounds like. It is the family that you make out in the world that may include family you were raised with or biological family, but also may not. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And we stayed firmly in only murders in the building. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Except for the times that we talked about CSI Miami. Yeah! And well, but even there, like we stayed within within the genre. Right, of true we didn't crime. go in. Well, we stayed with true crime, and we didn't go mm-hmm. into like talking about CSI Miami. Just Not David too much. Caruso. It was very and much how he pulls off his glasses. Yes, all in service to only murders in the building, and so in that we mentioned Columbo and Dateline. And I kept bringing in Hannibal, <laughs> <laughs> and then we gazed off in the middle of distance for a while and thought about Mads Mikkelsen. Um, and Bob's Burgers. And Bob's Burgers. Yeah, I love that you kept, like, it felt like we're at a, um, we're a little potluck. And you keep, you're like Hannibal. Like, you keep offering right. a plate of. <laughs> oh, my God. For listeners who've seen the show Hannibal, they'd be like, that's really perfect. Larissa is offering up a plate of Hannibal. <laughs> and I'm saying, no, thank you. All right. I will take us out. We may be at the helm of this ship, but we know who really keeps us running. Thank you to Ensign Kyle Rebar, who composed our theme song. Thank you to Lieutenant Catherine Mandicat Duthie, who designed our beautiful cover art. And finally, thank you to our fabulous producer, Lieutenant Commander Brian Therens. You are part of our found family. Aww. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and the very best way for you to support our podcast is to subscribe, rate, and especially review us on Apple Podcasts, and be sure to tell your friends. And in case you forgot while we were on hiatus, we still have a book out. It's called Starship <laughs> Therapies, using therapeutic fan fiction to rewrite your life, and it is available at all of your favorite booksellers, so please pick up your copy if you hadn't. It's also available on audiobook and uh, the virtual book, the digital book, what do you call those? The, the e- e- e-books, e-readers? E-books. <laughs> you know, it's one of them books on the computer there. <laughs> <laughs> you just click and drag, see? 
Yep. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if, if you prefer to listen, and we did voice the audiobook, so if you love hearing the dulcet tones of our voices, you can hear the dulcet tones of our voices telling you the book, mm-hmm. and that might spark joy for you. So That's true. pick up your copy, pick up a copy for a friend. The holiday seasons are coming. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, share share with your, your friends on social media. Let them know that this is a book that they would like. Mm-hmm. And as always, friends, live, live long and, and prosper. prosper.